welcome to the What's the PhD podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific PhD process for folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, folks thinking about getting a PhD, or anyone just generally interested about it. You can check out our website associated with the show, uh, real, uh, realphddeal.com. Um, you can check the show notes for details. And we would love it if you could email us any questions or comments um, or like suggested topics for discussion. Uh, so feel free to send all those to the email that's also included in the show notes. And it's phddealmail at gmail.com. Um, and we would happy we'd be happy to consider any uh, potential topics in future episodes. Uh, finally, a quick disclaimer: the following podcast reflects only our views and in no way is meant to represent any of the views of our institutions or organizations that we're associated with. We also promise to do our best to uh, give helpful advice based on our knowledge and experience. But of course, we admit that we don't have the perfect or correct correct answer to every question. We may not even agree amongst ourselves. Um, and so take everything we say with a kilogram of salt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we are also uh, science and uh, engineering PhDs. So that's obviously kind of where we're focused on. Um, and with that, let's get to the episode. So this episode is, I should also say that uh, maybe I should introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Liz, um, and uh, I'm the host of this episode, and I'm here with uh, co-hosts Luis. What's up? Elias. Hello. And Raj. What, what? And um, so this episode is episode two of the mental health mini-series. And uh, the topic for today is um, on managing relationships. Oh, yeah. And so we all thought this kind of topic was interesting because uh, in your PhD process um, and after, of course, like as a human, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of uh, We fall into both categories. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, yes, shockingly. But... Um, yeah, so, but particularly during your PhD, you have like a lot to handle in terms of your relationship with your advisors, your peers, your seniors, um, you know, people on your committee. And then, of course, on top of that, um, there's your personal relationships, which can oh, yeah. kind of sometimes be a little bit strained because of this process. And so the first thing I want to um, jump into is how can we manage um, competing priorities and people? For example, your advisor may be demanding and you have like priorities at home. Maybe you have a family, maybe you have a significant other or um, I mean, any family member, mom, dad, brother, sister. And I mean, all of these things are important. So I'll open that question up to the panel. If anybody has anything to um, comment on about competing priorities. Yeah, I think, you know, Research is quite a difficult uh, job, and uh, it's often, it's very rarely a 40-hour-a-week job, as we all know. I mean, research is hard. But uh, but I feel, in the very least, you know, if you're doing an honest 40 hours a week, then uh, then that's kind of a, that's the baseline uh, for, for you. If, if you're feeling as if 40 hours a week and then still your advisor is already not happy with your output and you feel you're, not uh, feeling, you know, psychologically and emotionally uh, as if that's enough or anywhere near enough, then uh, then you could honestly pause and rethink at that point. 
that situation, I feel. I kind of like that benchmark because, you know, we, we're kind of students, but at the same time, we're also grown-up professionals. We, right. you know, and uh, that's kind of the standard in the outside world uh, that we've told is a world that exists outside of academia. <laughs> and so people work 40 hours a week. Uh, right. Maybe one way to say this, you know, if you're feeling down for a while, it's okay if your productivity is less. If you have a rush of experiments or simulations to do, sometimes you go more than that average. But, you know, if if you're putting in maybe 15 hours a week regularly for weeks on end, uh, maybe it's not fair to say that uh, that that's the best you can do and start blaming, looking externally for who to blame, your advisor or or the project or something like that. Give it an honest shot, 40 hours a week, and then evaluate whether uh, that's a huge load or you're not even close to proper productivity, I think. I felt like I had a pretty nice advisor who really valued um, your relationships outside the lab. He was kind of... Um, Rare, actually, I think compared to like a lot of uh, a lot of advisors that I, I saw really pushing their students. Like, I mean, he pushed you, but you kind of he had a style that he made you very self motivated, uh, and like I felt I felt that I was lucky in lots of ways. I first had this advisor who who was uh, who really cared about making sure I acclimated well to the new uh, new place. That, that my family acclimated well. And he, he was aware I had this thing called a wife that was like a very important person in my life. And and he wanted to make sure that she was happy too. And let me tell you, uh, my wife, Erin, if you don't have one of these Erin types, you should get one. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> they, are, they are awesome. They, they're so understanding, so forgiving. So And and this is part of, uh, you know, dealing with relationships. Like you really have to have, if you have a significant other, you better have a very understanding significant other because I don't know how many times uh, we only had one car and she would come to pick me up at the lab sometimes. And it was like late at night and I'm like, yeah, I'll be done like by like whatever, seven or whatever. And then she'd come in and sure enough, like something went wrong. Like by the time she left the house and I got to the lab, I'm like, yeah, this is not working and it's taking longer. Sorry. And she would just patiently wait outside the lab, in this like little bench that like almost became like Aaron's bench. And like <laughs> and all, all the other researchers would like see her and they'd be like, you, you know your wife's out there. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm so, I'm just I'm trying to get this thing finished, and it's it's everything's going wrong, and I'm just trying to get it done so that it can run overnight and blah blah. blah. And she was just like, almost she would start bringing books with her and stuff because she just knew that this would almost always happen. She'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> so so. I mean, this is just I was just you know lucky that I had both a supportive PI who who was yeah. very much. Uh, into like, how's Aaron doing? Like when, when I talked to him every once in a while, he was like, how's the research going? How's this going? And then like once every few weeks, he'd be like, is Aaron doing all right? Is she, and I'm like, wow, this is like a really, like, like mm-hmm. I should care about her as much as you do, <laughs> like, or, or worry about, it. I do care about, it. but like, I at least like, I, you know, and, and I thought that was like really kind of cool that I had this, like this, this nice um, advisor who was like making sure that she was okay. And, and also had a really nice understanding wife who, who kind of knew that this was not like an unorthodox type of, of job and that it required a, a lot of time and lots of weird hours and lots of things that went wrong that caused schedules to get upended and things of this nature. So uh, I, in, in that way, I was like lucky, like extremely lucky. But I mean, I've seen, you know, 
I've seen it from the other perspective too. You know, I've seen other advisors and I've seen other um, uh, relationships and, and it does put a strain on them. I mean, it doesn't matter how understanding and amazing, um, you know, your spouse or significant other is, it's going to put some strains and stresses and you just have to be able to, um, you know, deal and, and work through it and, and make sure that you, you, you uh, are being honest with each other and kind of uh, at least being aware of the, the need of your significant others as you're going through uh, this graduate school. If you, if you have, uh, if you have a significant other, but again, like I said, if you don't have an errand, I highly recommend you get one and like, <laughs> Holy cow. It's, it's, it's like, it's just so much better for, for, uh, for you. I remember just like, it was always kind of like a nice thing that like I knew like, okay, I have, she's got my back. My advisor's got my back and everything's good. But of course not, this doesn't always happen all the time. So, yeah. but anyway, that's, 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 that's uh, from my perspective. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of a deviation from what you were saying, Lou, but I was reminded as you were speaking about um, something that I've thought a lot about and I certainly still struggle with because, you know, we work with a lot of different people as our like, you know, careers progress and, uh, whatnot, but um, how to communicate with people varies so wide, like so differently between you know supervisors or you know your coworkers or whatever. Like so, I and um, before, and and that's something I think I've always tried to, and for sure I have not gotten this right. Like I have missed the mark totally. But usually when I start working with someone, I try to like think about how do they like to be communicated with like are they a i it, they appreciate you dropping by their office do they mm. you know like scheduled meetings what do they expect from those meetings and these are maybe the types of questions that i've started to ask myself and but honestly you can just ask people like either you're working with or for i think in this particular scenario your advisor they might not be super explicit about their expectations and what could enable like maybe, uh, you know, a, a faster like you getting to know each other sort of thing and how to communicate with each other is if you have a kind of like a candid conversation about how he or she as your advisor wants to be communicated with. Like what are they expecting from you in terms of work output hours like Elias was talking about. And, you know, this could also be part of like your discussion with uh, potential advisors if you're like searching for them uh, to try to get a better feel for like their work culture their work style and um, so that way you can instead of kind of fumbling around with you know feeling like you're disappointing someone or something you kind of upfront know okay they expect me to meet with them every two weeks they want a short powerpoint presentation etc cetera, etc cetera. like <laughs> and these are just like little details i was like it, it just helps. It helps to know these when you start working with someone so you can kind of figure out, okay, where are we, how can we have a, like a healthy working relationship versus like, you know, some unspoken expectations that are never really figured out. Some of the common symptoms that you, you'll see uh, if you experience in this kind of situation is like having 
and being unhappy and depression and losing sleep because of the worry and not being able to overcome difficulties right so mm-hmm. and and this this actually leads to so many negative productivity issues and mm-hmm. not only personal health and other things right so on on the plus side if you have a person uh, a supervisor who is uh, inspirational and that can actually partially offset this kind of risks right mm-hmm. uh, so being in an academic career or like if you are going for a postdoc or whether you are in a phd so you don't know at that point where you're going so if if the advisor is helpful you know to make you think in a right direction even mm-hmm. uh, even uh, help you create some sort of like a mental guardrails to yeah. guide you through that you know and through yeah. those difficulty times on uh, it could really be uh, very helpful and it could make you see the phd as a good preparation for a non academic career if you are not going for that and add a value for your like future employees and stuff like that so on that note i mean the hard reality about academia is that there is a huge power imbalance and that's just the way it is sadly yeah. and yeah, hopefully yeah. people are becoming more and more aware and vocal about this but just so much hinges on the character and personality type of the advisor in in during your phd career now of course there are regulations there are rules in play you have uh, avenues to uh, to voice your concerns uh, but but to be honest there's a lot of this a lot hinges on your advisor being a benevolent like uh, virtuous <laughs> it's like person. i am a benevolent god you you may I go home for the weekend that's where i thought that yeah. was going <laughs> you know there's a reason so lou says i've been so lucky that my advisor was good i i can say the same about both my phd and my postdoc but uh, i mean why does it have to be that way that you're incredibly lucky if your right. phd advisor is good it's just because so much hinges on that personality type and yeah. the stuff that raj was saying uh, is is a testament to that now again and i have to be fair in a sense because sometimes as graduate students we might fall into the trap of maybe over complaining or saying that uh, kind of blaming or finding external blame for for uh, lack of research results for example because it's a hard it's yes. hard stuff but yeah. that's why i like this you know if you're really putting in an honest shift but then there's something really not so good between your relationship with your advisor your results or anything then you you are entitled because it's your right to stop and think uh is someone else at fault because of this is my advisor really attentive to the details giving me the support i need uh, understanding my situation with a kid at home or some family situation or whatever uh just as long as you're honest and passionate about it you have all the right to feel that uh, that uh, you need the support to go through this process because it's hard yeah i feel like not just the pi right so it like i understand like some pi's are not uh, up to the par as you just mentioned uh, compared to others but then it comes to also the department and the institutions as well to yeah. if if the pi's are not up to it there should be a system for them to get up to the standards of that mm-hmm. like at least uh, recognize these kind of issues in their uh, grad students or 
or PhD students and, and, and help them. And there has been numerous studies on that, right? Like those data actually uh, makes this issue irrefutable and it should be like for ethical and moral reasons for force the hands of these institutions to do some actually create the responsible pathways to you know help help PIs and and eventually help the grad students and being the most productive and uh, most positive person they can be in in, right. in yeah in this whole very uh, stressful situation yeah and I, I think that you know obviously the advisor has the biggest role in your professional career especially when you're a PhD student before you, you you get your PhD, it's all hinges on this. And like Elias said, which is 100% correct, there's this huge, insane power imbalance where they they just completely control your life and it's in the palm of their hands. So that that is obviously an important relationship and one that can bring stress. But even if that's going well, there's, you know, the fact that you're in a lab with other people. As soon as you throw a bunch of humans into the mix, like you get all kinds of fuzzy, weird stuff and you get strange dynamics uh, interpersonally and whatnot and and you know you have to deal with essentially like roommates uh in the lab so you can have like a real like a really messy lab mate who like never puts the stuff back in the right spot or like always leaves always leaves the sink cluttered with tons of like glassware and it can it can make like it really annoying and and lead to you know uh disagreements uh stressful environment at work i mean these and so you know, it's kind of, it's kind of annoying, but it's just, it's just dealing with people, right? Like, even though we're all scientists, we're all whatever, like, it doesn't keep us from acting like annoying roommates sometimes. And sometimes, you know, and, and there's, there's, I'm sure a million things about my personality that's completely annoying to a lot of people. And, you know, I'm, I'm not aware of it, just like the, the messy guy who's like leaving stuff around is not aware uh, what they're doing as well. So, you know, these, these all, these are all, things that we all have to deal with and kind of, uh, you, you know, you you have to have good strategies for dealing with people. I mean, it's crazy how important that is in grad school. And you think, I don't know, at least I thought when I first went into uh, grad school, I'm like, I'm going to be defined by my work and nothing else is important. I like, and that's all that's, the science is everything. And there's the, yeah, the, nobody has an ego like i thought that was true like and then you know, i just i got laughed at by like <laughs> whoever i was telling that to i was like yeah you, you're not the, you don't have egos you don't have anybody with these weird uh incentives you just have the pure science it's going to be beautiful and he's like oh i don't know how to break it to you Lou. like it's just it's like a thousand times worse when you get there <laughs> and i was just like what like is that really how it is and yeah but you have to be able to deal with people and have to have good strategies for dealing with people because you're going to be doing that wherever you go but in in a in a stressful environment like a lab where everybody's kind of like working really hard to make uh uh things work that don't like to work and there's a lot of failure it's you know everyone can be a little bit closer to the breaking point so you kind of have to be able to deal with people and it's and it's a skill set that is not an easy one to come by but it's incredibly invaluable in grad school I would say more so than than other other industries. It's crazy, but that's really that's really what it is. So, so managing these relationships, your advisors, your 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 peers, your, the people that you share the lab space with. I mean, that all becomes important. The people that you work with, like um, uh, the administrators, they're they're huge, and they they've dealt with a bazillion students before, and they're you know they they you know, and they are incredibly important. Like holy cow, you like when you go into grad school 
you need to you like be as friendly and nice as possible to these people because guaranteed uh, there's going to be some point in your career where you're like, oh, I need to get this printed. If it doesn't get printed, I don't want to get my degree. And then, then, then they go, okay, okay. I, yeah, I'll help you. Like, let me just, I know how to do this and I'll get, and they just, they, they'll save your life. Like the, mm-hmm. so you really need to like manage a lot of relationships and, and be able to do that well. And it's, and it's like the science is like, yeah, sure. That's like almost the easy part. You just put in a bunch of work and, and obviously it's not easy, but, but there's all this other stuff that, that you have to deal with and it can lead to a lot of stress and, and, and it could, you know, and you really um, need to be prepared to deal with that, I think. Mm-hmm. I think another th- um, thing that has, I've thought about and previously is also just like this, um, kind of this concept of, you know, people treat you the way you let them treat you, which maybe is a little oh, like wow. vague and not very specific, but it's, you know, kind of, it's really important, I think, in a grad school or academic setting, I'll just kind of generalize it to academic because this is certainly not unique to grad school. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, when in when the roles of like uh, manager and, uh, you know, subordinate, like with your uh, PI or a graduate school advisor, these lines between like supervisor and you are kind of like blurred because you're advisor is more than just your boss. And then like the people you work with feel kind of like a little bit more than just coworkers. Like they, you know, because grad school is such a large undertaking, it's personal. Like if anybody sits there and says, oh, it's just work. I mean, like it's not, <laughs> you kind of give it up a lot. Um, yeah. You're going through something hard. This is obviously not just work. <laughs> like you've invested a lot. Probably you've like, you know, you've probably gone through some, you know, sort of difficulties to allow this to happen. So that I think complicates it. And so the concept of boundaries can kind of like what Elias was saying is with your the boundaries around work hours and like giving it your honest effort for 40 hours. That's kind of a boundary that you can set with yourself to say, am I working 40 hours a week, that's kind of like my baseline boundaries around how much, how many hours do I put in every week? And like, I think implementing or really being aware of those types of boundaries and your work, and then also your relationships with your advisors, like are important. For example, if your advisor texts you at midnight, um, (laughs) uh, or like, I mean, I don't know, he could be in a different country. It doesn't really matter, but like, you because something comes your way that does not mean you need to respond to it right so you can have boundaries around when you respond to things Mm -hmm. or kind of what kind of behavior you allow to kind of persist between you and um, other people in like a work environment do you allow that person who's messing up the sink in your lab to continue doing that or do you say something about it you know like um, things like this, I think, are also important to keep in mind because it really kind of impacts you. Like, yeah, passive-aggressive post-it notes all over the place. Like, yes, we, yeah. <laughs> I am, I am not your mom. Pick up your stuff. It's like, oh man, it's like <laughs> that's usually that's usually what I see is as the is the the, the usual uh, attempt to deal with that. Like, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It, just to add to that, like, uh, yeah, it, it's important to overcome that stigma, that uh, public secret 
you know, fear of retaliation and and I feel like again maybe I mentioned this earlier or something uh, in the previous episode of this series that important to have the clear understanding of what is expected as a P yeah. from a, a, as a PhD student by a PI mm-hmm. and what's uh, like not just a particular job but overall like in project and what's a bigger picture if you, if anything if you can at least get the most pay out of it from your pi in so that that will help you understand and manage better than other than just like constantly worrying and, and it also helps you set the boundaries yeah yeah so. now of course we've been talking from the sense of if there is a little bit of a conflict or a tension between you and your pi but there are important topics in in your relationship with your advisor that even if you're on very good terms, they will come up just because of any even worker manager type of situation. And uh, and those fall into different categories, I feel. There are some where maybe your enthusiasm takes you some places, but your advisor does have experience, so it's worth a lot to listen to them. So for example, when you're about to submit a paper and you're thinking of which journal to target, and of course, you would have some input, and uh, it's always great to take risks and go for higher impact journals. But also, you know, take heed the heed the advice of your advisor. They've been there; they've published a lot. Maybe they have good ideas on where this is worth, or what's an extra experiment that goes into it, or just the way an introduction should be written, or something of that sort. Sort. Another is uh, selecting a project, and uh, and you should work on a project you're excited about, no doubt. And yes, have to. It has to be. You have to. It has to be something you're excited about. But also, it's worth a lot to take the advice of your advisor as to, I mean, they've worked on a lot of successful projects and a lot of failed projects. So so they can help you direct, you know, where to take it. So, so of course, Luis kind of referred to an example in an earlier episode where sometimes, you know, on the side, you kind of do something, an yeah, experiment yeah, yeah, yeah. or two. And then show it to your advisor to kind of nudge them in a certain direction. Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those things are great, and actually, I learned a fancy word for that, which Ooh. is yeah, yeah, fancy. I'm gonna, it's gonna be now. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, do we need a do we need a music for that? Yes, like, edit, word of the day. Definitely, yeah. We need the music. <laughs> it's Ooh. upward management. You can implement that. In that. Upward. Wait, sorry, what's it called? Upward. Oh, I messed it. Upward management. Oh. You know, I like, like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So, nice. in a sense. I mean, there is some level of control for you. And also, if your success success begets success. So if an experiment is successful, of course, your advisor might probably be excited about more of the same. That's right. So, yeah, you know, sometimes there's this little bit of tension, but that's normal in any manager-worker relationship mm-hmm. as well. Right, and, yeah. You can't, yeah. I mean, this is not a situation in which you have a new best friend. Like nobody can expect that. <laughs> um, Unless you're working for Elias, then then it's then it's okay. okay. Sure, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you missed out, Missouri. You missed out. <laughs> oh, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I yeah, I think that that I like that upward management. I I, I that is. That's the advice that I almost always used to give like everybody in my research group when they would come to join. I'm like, they're like, yeah, I'm thinking of doing this. I'm like, this is what you do. You you do it on the side, like just put it in your free time, get some good results and then bring results. And then it's, un- then it's unarguable, right. you know, like you're just like, well, I think because if they don't think it'll work, they'll tell you that. And then if you're doing it, 
then it's like, then it's kind of bad because then you're going again. Then when you have good results, you're like, okay, you told me not to do it, but I did it anyway. And here's the results I got. It's better to just, you know, ask for forgiveness than, than <laughs> what, what, what's the, the term? Uh, ask for, for forgiveness instead of uh, permission. Like that's, that's the way to go. And then just, you know, just, and then, and, and then upward manage. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Uh, there could be another relationship where you are in a bigger group and you don't have the uh, fortune of being in constant contact with, with your advisor, right? Yeah. So that's another uh, different dynamic of relationship, right? So how, and then you, f- you might feel like the project that you really want to work on and somehow always ends up uh, on some other plate. And, and you feel like you are being, uh, you know, backpedaled or something Ooh. like mm-hmm. some, some random projects that nobody wants or like your advisor thinks you are not up to it. Mm. You know, those kind of situations. Has anyone any comment on that? Like, because I have uh, seen those issues like have happened to people in bigger groups. I've, I've heard of that, and that too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it hasn't happened to me, but like I definitely have uh, have seen people, and I've seen relationships get like really messed up from it. From yeah. from because the the student is like, "Hey, you took away my project that I was like I because because to us our our project our work the way I think of it is it's it's kind of like you, they're like your children. You like you you bring them into being. Yeah, and you're you, attached. Yeah, you, you're very attached, and you're like like this is my child. I have brought it to life, and now I am nurturing it. To a certain extent, and then then your advisor goes, "No, it's no longer your kid. It's uh, Alex is going to take it over." And you're like, "What? The, th- th- that's my kid! Like, I I brought it into being, and I, I brought it into you know." But but yeah, I, I that's a tough thing to manage. I uh, I don't know how you would uh, uh, if you experience those issues early on uh, in the group or in your during your PhD in like first year or something. I feel like there is a better option for you is just finance or advisor yeah. um if you That's can if you are if you are fortunate that. enough to find yeah, it is easier said than done but like no, i mean right because otherwise like yeah, if you know point. that this doesn't change or right. it's not gonna change or you tried some couple things of like trying yeah. to uh, gain the attention of the advisor but it didn't yeah. work or somehow that's one solution. Louis? I, I think that, um, yeah, like an advisor, to me, I don't know. It's hard for me to, to, to judge anyone's actions or whatever. Like this is all hypothetical. But like to me, if you are an advisor and you've, you want to switch up someone's project, that's better to be done with people who are professionals, you know, like your postdocs, the people who are um, that, that you've hired to, that are basically employees. They're scientific employees, right? Like, so you have, it's a way more of a boss underling kind of relationship there. It's like, okay, you, like now you're not working on this, on X, Y, Z anymore. You do ABC. That's our new project. Go for it. It's like, and you're a scientist and sure, it, it might suck as a scientist because you're like, I really like this and this is really interesting to me, but you're more of a professional and you're just, you know, you can, probably roll with that a little bit better but to do that to a student to me is i think create like really bad because you're as an advisor your job is not just to to crank out work out of the student it's to mentor them and develop them that's that's your True. that's part of your job so 
you you go to work for someone and and it's a part of the job that advisors should really take seriously and and most that i've seen do but it's it, it it's important and if you are you know pulling projects and and moving them around and not giving them a sense of continuity you're not doing a service to them and so to me that's that's a little that's a little more uh, uh, worse than doing it to like a professional, like a postdoc or someone like that. I would say it also would, and um, just to quickly add to that, like the, um, you know, if as an advisor, so anybody listening, like the things that Luis was talking about also are things that you should be looking for when you're looking for advisors, people, you know, advisors that, yeah. uh, take an in interest and actually care about mentoring their students. Oh, hell's because yeah. They're, because that, I mean, I hate to say it, but that is not ubiquitous. <laughs> yeah, know, there, yeah. Are, there are advisors that have the positions they have because they're very, very good researchers. But that is not, uh, you know, that does not equate to good mentor, right? So ideally, you're in a situation where you have both a very good research who's researcher who's a good mentor. But that's, I mean, you just need to keep like look out for for that by talking to the students in their group, postdocs in their group other yeah. people who see the students in their group like like get, attack it from all angles but um i mean i forget what i was going to say now well anyway i think that's what i was going to say but i but i would say <laughs> oh, i'm sorry Liz, but just to follow up on that i think an advisor who's a better mentor than researcher is better for you as a phd yes. like, yeah. i think if like that's the most important thing is their mentorship like if they're like not pulling in a ton of uh, research dollars and maybe their field is a little weird or, or whatever, like, or maybe they're just, I don't know, whatever, whatever, like that's survivable, no problem. But if someone's a poor mentor, you are going to be messed up a bit more, I think. But I remembered what I was going to say. And it was going to, I was going to say that, um, you know, pick, picking uh, or changing your students' projects, I would argue that also that also blows back on the advisor in the sense that yeah. then you don't have as productive as a student, yeah, or or postdoc, yeah. whoever you're doing this to, like, you know, if you don't have a student who gets the satisfaction from continuity in their work and they're enjoying their work, and I mean, you can get a lot more output out of a student who's in that situation versus one who's just being like dragged around and. Yeah, kind of told what to do. Um, but yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, I also the student should know should be told what were the reasons for that? Is it maybe a change in the funding situation that yeah. this project cannot support as many students now? Maybe uh, will, will you still have authorship when that pro project is published? What about your other project? Is it because it's something more exciting? They want a more senior student on this one? versus that one. And often, you know, there might That's be perfectly good, good reasons that you would be happy with even because yeah. they might end up being better for everyone. But I mean, yeah, to Liz's point, sometimes not only, you know, it's tough enough to find a good advisor who's a good men mentor always. And, uh, you know, also a good manager and a good communicator. You know, the system doesn't necessarily select for these skills. At some oh, level, yeah. the advisor has to have such a broad range of skill set in addition to science that it's difficult to find this talent. And at the same time, you know, you have to maybe ask more questions. And when it's communicated to you, maybe you're happy with the answer. So we have to bridge that gap at some level. Yeah, I, I would, you know, 
as you were talking, Elias, I realized this actually did happen to me. I was like, oh, that's a terrible <laughs> thing to do, do to a student. But because it was done in such a proper way, like I mm -hmm. forgot about it completely. I was like, that's terrible. How could you do that? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this kind of happened to me, but it was for a good reason. Like basically I that project that started as a collaboration that I mentioned earlier, at some point uh, it got to the point where it was kind of delving away from my focus that was my phd so my advisor was like look this is great that you started this project i mean it's it's awesome i think it's great but i think uh, another younger grad student could take this over and this could be like what what she pushes into and it's a outside of your wheelhouse and it doesn't fit with your um with the rest of your thesis and it'll it you're you're stretching yourself too thin and it made complete sense and i was like oh yeah right it's so much so that i totally like mm -hmm. forgot that, that that happened but like but but then he he did it in a way that kind of explained the whole situation, kind of explained the reasons for it, and it made complete sense. And then later I, I was she took it to like a really good direction, did some really nice work with it, and um and you know I was still on the paper uh, as well, but like she delved deep into the woods and kind of and it was kind of fun to see like somebody else take it in these other directions, and it was kind of it was kind of cool. And I still got to be like, hey, that's that's cool. Like that project started because of this weird conversation we had. So mm -hmm. so yeah, so it, it totally can be done right. Like you're absolutely correct in, in that regard. And I it's so much so that I totally forgot. I, you know, five <laughs> minutes ago, I'm like, how could they do that to a student? And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You could do it actually quite well and, and be totally yeah. fine. Yeah, actually. But I think these are kind of like behaviors you could also kind of look out for. Um, oh, yeah. in any work environment, but um, if your advisor or whoever is kind of like, go for it, Liz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say, like, if if the person, okay, the group leader, whoever, show us on the puppet, leader. show us with the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> um, if the group leader is not, you know, kind of running the group in a way that individuals are allowed to pursue different directions that they find important or there's you know the group members are maybe just kind of told to do things here and there like that's not really a good productive research environment in my opinion right i think it's important to look for um path but if you're in that situation obviously you need to sort of you know navigate that right so i mean you need to find continuity. Like the only person looking out for you should be your advisor, but the person who cares the most is going to be you. So any way you can find continuity and try to um, kind of create that peace for yourself and that um, so that you can continue working in a certain direction is definitely something you should be doing. And by the way, that can happen with your PI being the most well-intentioned person ever and wants yes. the best for. In fact, that's usually the case. That's uh, that's one hundred percent correct. Yeah. You right, know, right. I work in my day job. I do science, and I use a lot of numbers. But then, if I have to manage a budget or a flow sheet, or you know, when those numbers start having dollar signs next to them, it's <laughs> as if all mathematical operations are sense. completely alien to me. You know? <laughs> And then I need help with every step of the way. Yeah. So we're not trained for all the aspects of research. And, you know, management, communication skills, human skills are important pieces. And uh, sometimes you only get answers if you ask uh, those questions and be communicative with your advisor. Never hurts to do that. Right. I, I will just add something uh, on, on uh, 
uh, slightly positive route too with with personal relationships um, outside. Like if you have a significant other, if you have a family, these can be uh, not only stress points, but they can also be uh, foundations of mental health and wellness as well. So, I mean, having a supportive uh, significant other for sure, like we've like we've mentioned, but not only that, like I remember. I had a neighbor, so I lived like with a lot of in these apartment buildings that had lots of grad students for whatever reason. And the the guy across the hall from me, uh, him and his wife had this little kid. He was like, I don't know, like three or something. And he was like really cute and awesome. And I was like trying to figure out how he can be a successful grad student by have by still having a, a kid. I'm like, wow, that seems like a tremendous uh, responsibility. And you know, they require a lot of from what I've seen, a lot of maintenance and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of time. And I'm like, how do you manage to do that? And he was like, you know what? Uh, that's all true, but it makes me much better as a grad student because honestly, everything could go wrong in the lab. Everything could just blow up and every, like nothing is going right. And then I come home and I got this, this little son and he just comes to me and he's like, daddy, I love you. And it makes everything better. And it, I was like, that's kind of nice. I was like, Oh, that's okay. That, right. th- those, those, those uh, things, what are they called? Children. They, they are kind of, <laughs> uh, they, they are kind of handy. They are kind of cool and they are kind of handy. And um, you know, like, no, but I, but so, you know, it's good to have, um, you know, it, sure. So, and of course I'm sure there's, points where like you know your kids are going to drive you crazy as well uh, or, or add stresses because you have to do something and it interferes with with something in grad school but but just realize that they're also good uh foundations for for stress relief as well because they're they're you know they're there for you so it's it's i i found that really kind of interesting i was like well oh, that's kind of cool actually i i thought that would be like a huge detriment and i was like no it's actually like to him it's like no, this totally makes my day. Like it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. Yeah. But oh go ahead. You know, there are some things, for example, that we feel a little bit uh, of guilt if we ask too much of from our advisor just because of uh, the nature of things in academia. Liz talked about receiving a late email and feeling the urge that oh yeah, I have to answer this. But yeah. you know, we have to be realistic, we have to draw boundaries. So, for example, you know, you can always ask for a recommendation letter when you're searching for jobs. Sometimes, yeah, and then sometimes you feel, oh, I've already asked for like three or four. I'm going to have to ask again, my advisor. No, you're going to be asking for tens of recommendation letters. And while it's understandable that, you know, they might not be immediately sent by your advisor, they have a billion other things to do. But it is a reasonable expectation to expect that they would be sending those recommendation letters in time. It is fair to remind them of them if they might be late. Don't feel guilty for asking for them. That's the way the job market is now for any kind of career. You're going to have to be applying for a lot of jobs. Don't worry about asking for recommendation letters. Remember that also it comes back to them as well because they want you to have a successful career because that's an extension of their own uh, work regardless of where you end up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> okay. Um, does anybody else have anything to add to that? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> that was very yeah. natural transition. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing that maybe it's becoming, people are becoming more aware of is that, oh, as it turns out, 
faculty, a tenure track faculty positions, which what which is what we call the traditional career trajectory, ends up being something like zero point three percent or whatever of yeah. <laughs> of graduate yeah. students being there, and then the other ninety nine percent is the non traditional <laughs> yeah, yeah. career trajectory, which is you know everything else in life. Yeah, that's but, right. You know the- sometimes advisors are nudging you towards certain career directions. And again, maybe they have more experience. They see your skills. They've seen it before. Maybe that has value. But at the same time, you know, don't have the that pressure to to kind of do things necessarily in a certain way. Yeah. So for, for example, to delay your graduation by a couple of semesters because that extra paper will get you a position, professorship position, Whereas you already have an offer from a company that maybe you'd enjoy more working in or something like that. So, so be mindful of, uh, you know, this, uh, usually academics kind of want people to stay in academia, their students to stay in academia, but you have your own career aspirations and that should be in your own hands. And advice is valuable, but your decision is what really matters, I guess. Yeah. And just to add to that a little further, like the, you know, the, it's interesting, the dynamic that you have with your advisor starts off, when you start off, you're just, you know, you're like a babe in the woods, and they're there to kind of help you and nurture your career and kind of, but as you get towards the end of your career, in fact, I heard one uh, PI say this, and I think it's very accurate. They said, I know when my students are ready to graduate, because they just start arguing with me a lot more. And they just start being like, of course I tried that. Like th- that's the first thing I tried. I and they start like, and then and then she told me she said, "Oh, okay, that's when I know they're ready to graduate because they, like I can tell I'm no longer bringing much to the table and they're ready to go." And so that's and I think that that kind of that that's kind of normal. Like as you get towards the end, your advisor has a certain like thought process for for where where you should go and what you should do, but it it's almost like. Um, uh, a parental kind of uh, figure because at some point you become an adult and when you're in the PhD program, at some point you become a PhD and then you're like, okay, I, that's great. I really appreciate you looking out for me, but this is this is where, where I want to go. And this is what I want to do. And, and, and you're right, Elias, like that's, even if it's a mistake, at least it's your mistake. I mean, you have to do it your way or else you're going to regret not doing it. So, right. you know, at some point you just kind of have to, it's weird. It's like, you're, you're like the baby bird going flying out of the nest. You, you, another world famous Lou analogy. Like you need to, you need to kind of leave and kind of blaze your own path. I think. I mean, that is absolutely true. And I really like that sentence by that professor about the time that you'd graduate. But yeah. again, it also brings out the fuzziness of, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the academic process and of, of the, the so much power that the advisor has. That's right. I mean, uh, no, maybe when you graduate is when you have, when you want to graduate and have already published good results and now are ready to go for a great career doing something else. Maybe you're not, you know, asking them questions or doing whatever, but hey, you're ready to live in the, uh, to seek your, your own independent career already. So yeah, you know, and by the way, this sometimes happens in the reverse sense, which is if you're actually on a great relationship with your advisor, they might want you to stay more because you're super productive, but you might want to leave. Yeah. And uh, and again, there is value for yeah. that. Uh, I did that during my master's 
uh, degree, I have zero regrets. That's uh, helped me a lot, actually. Uh, but I can totally see scenarios where it might be counterproductive. And, you know, other topics like even uh, uh, publishing a paper, sometimes your advisor wants to keep asking for more and more and more, which in some cases is fair. But at some level, you know, that single paper does not change your advisor's career, but might weigh a lot for you. So you might have to push back and say, hey, even if it's more modest than you would imagine, maybe we need to get this out. I need the study published because I'm searching for jobs. I mean, uh, it all comes back to that kind of uh, communicating and coming up with solutions that are the best for everyone, for your career, for your science, for your quality of research and everything. And, and for your easy. mental health. For your mental health, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not easy, yeah. <laughs> Full circle, full circle. Full circle. Okay, that's a great place, I think, to wrap up. Um, okay, yeah, so I don't think, I think that was a really productive uh, conversation. I think we kind of covered everything about advisors, peers, personal life. Um, so with that, I guess I will thank you all for listening, and we will see you back for our next episode in the mini series. See you next week. Right on. Keep rocking out science. <laughs>